Amen. We want to get right again into our lesson. Amen. Praise God. It's good to see everyone in the house of the Lord again this morning. Praying that everybody is safe and everybody's on the right road. <laughs> Amen. Everybody's on the right track. Amen. Everybody's walking with Jesus, holding Jesus' unchanging hand. Amen. Because if you're on the wrong road, guess what? You won't know when to turn off. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Well, we've been talking about Second John here and the epistle of John and keeping in mind, and I keep reminding us of the four principles that John tells us he wrote the gospel, amen, is he want to add to our joy. So by now, your joy should be running off the map because we've been talking about this for the whole year. So your joy should be running off the map, amen. The joy of the Lord is always our strength, amen. The songs that you just sung here is a song that you should memorize if you can and sing it all the time, amen, because it is more to be desired. The law, the commandments, the statutes, the testimonies of the Lord, they are to be desired more than anything else because that's where our strength and joy comes from is the word of God. So he wants to add to our joy. Number two, John says he want to help us and guard us against sin. Amen. We don't want sin in our lives because we know that sin cannot enter there. Amen. And the enemy of our soul is going to do everything in his power to try to keep sin in our lives, to keep sin at our forefront, uh, amen, to try to draw us, to try to pull us away, to try to tempt us to go after things that we know that goes against God's word. The Bible tells us in the last days that perilous times are going to come. So there's going to be a whole lot of sinful things being developed, a whole lot of sinful things coming after you and trying to be in your pathway. So you want to Make sure that you're in the Word of God and you can see because the Word of God is what? It is a lamp unto my feet and it is a light unto my pathway. So the more of God's Word that we hide in our hearts, we will be able to see those things that the enemy is trying to put in our pathway to trip us up. It is important in these last days that your relationship with Jesus be intact, it be strong, it be steadfast, it be unmovable. Amen. Because the enemy is going to try to strip you up. The third reason John says he wrote the gospel is to guard us against false teachers and false prophets. As we can see, there's many false teachers and false prophets that are coming in the world today. They're out there. there. And so you've got to know apostolic doctrine. You've got to know apostolic truth. You've got to know what Jesus taught, what his disciples taught, and how the application part of it, how it applies to your life. Amen. And we'll talk a little bit more about this in a moment. So he wants to guard us against those false teachers and false prophets that are going to come. Amen. I I see them all the time out there on, on the World Wide Web. I mean, some of the stuff they are saying and some of the things they're doing. Man, if 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 those were real prophets, Jesus got a problem. <laughs> amen. But Jesus has already told us we are known by their fruit. So, amen. So we 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 got to build that thing. And then the fourth reason he said he's he want to strengthen our faith. 
Amen. And we we should have faith. Amen. In these last days, believe me, brothers and sisters, you've got to have some strong faith. I mean, if your faith is weak, I mean, you'll be shaken. You've got to strengthen your faith. And that's why the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing, and it comes by hearing the Word of God. And years I've been saying, we need to read our Bible. We need to study our Bible. We need to be in a place where you can hear the Word of God. Because, I mean, it is right now what is going on and what is taking place a lot of people are, are are giving up because their faith is weak their their faith is not strong in god they they don't know what to believe anymore amen but you and i who knows this apostolic truth we should be steadfast and unmovable amen our faith should still be the same amen it should be still strong in the lord and so john says he wants to strengthen our faith and ensure us of what eternal Eternal life. Praise God. That's right. That's what this is all about is getting that heavenly reward. And so John tell us there in the second epistle of, of John. Amen. He tell us that if any man transgress and abide if not in the doctrine of Christ, he has not God nor Jesus. Amen. If we don't stay in this apostolic truth then we're not going to have God. We're not going to have Jesus Christ because it's designed to teach us, to bring us into the power of understanding. Now, we've already seen and we've been studying about the power of this doctrine and how doctrine applies. And we already saw that doctrine directs us and doctrine guides us. And to the truth of God's word, it leads us, it brings us more. Precept among precept, line upon line, here little, there little. That's why you've got to follow the pattern of God's word and allow God's spirit to lead you and direct you. Because it will show you more. It began to show you how it applies to your life. So doctrine directs and guides us uh, into truth. Doctrine, open our understanding. Amen. We sometimes don't understand things uh, uh, about the Word of God and how it applies. But when we get into the doctrine, it will open our understanding. Amen. Because the Spirit, Jesus say, will lead you and guide you to all truth. So the Holy Ghost is going to open your understanding. You may not understand it to start with. But as you keep reading, you will find that pretty soon you will come to that part to where it says, Oh, yes, now, if you remember Jesus teaching a lot of times to the Sadducees and Pharisees, those that should have known, he opened their understanding by telling parables a lot of times. When the lawyer asked them, what is the greatest commandment? What did Jesus say? How do you interpret the law? You know, and he says, I shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. Thy neighbor is thyself. Jesus said, right. He just opened his understanding. He says, right. And then the lawyer says, well, who's my neighbor? Jesus is telling the story about the good Samaritan. And at the end, he turns right back to him and says, well, now who was his neighbor? He says, well, I guess the one that did right. He says, right, go do likewise. See, he opens the understanding. That's why a lot of times when you're reading stuff in the Old Testament, it's not going to make clear sense until you get to the New Testament. Because the Old Testament is Jesus concealed. The New Testament is Jesus revealed. So that's why the, the writers in the New is opening up the Old. That's why you find Jesus, a lot of times he would say to them when he's talking, have you not read? 
what David did? Have you not read what the prophet said? Have you not read? See, to open their understanding because they was the leaders and, and the, the church and they should have known. So doctrine opens our understanding. Doctrine covers everything we should be, know, and do. Amen. It tells us what we should be, how we should be Christians, how we should live our lives, how we should know the things of God, the Word of God, and how it applies and what we should do with it once we do it. For example, Paul says in Romans 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service, and be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what doctrine does. It causes you to adjust. It causes you to see how things apply and how you should apply it to your life. Amen. Doctrine teaches us the tenets of faith and, and war. We're soldiers. So therefore, we're in the Lord's army. Isaiah tells us a lot of times, amen, in Isaiah 9, 5, it says, The battle of the warriors, what? With confused noise and garments rolled in blood. A lot of times people jump to verse 6 and they miss verse 5. But he tell you, you know, there's battles and there's a whole lot of crazy noises and people get hurt and people get wounded in war. And then he says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. See? So when you study that, you can see that the tenets of war and how we fight and who's on our side. You know, Moses says there in Exodus, the Lord is God of war. See, so if God is the God of war and he's the commander of the host, that's why you see David constantly talking, the, the you know, the, the Lord of hosts is his name. See, so he's the, he's, the, he's the captain. He's the man in charge. He's the great general. So, therefore, we're just the men and women that is laboring in the vineyard with them and fighting in the forces against evil against with them. So we have to understand the tenets of war and how they apply. And we've already looked at those. We won't go back through them again. And also the tenets of faith. How we begin to apply our faith and how faith applies and not, you know, you gotta learn how to be bent and not break. You know, you gotta learn how to be flexible. See, that's why in the tenets of war, you know, we centralize authority, but we decentralize your actions. Yeah, you got a pastor, but I ain't gonna, I'm gonna tell you how to suck eggs and how to drink soda pop. <laughs> you got to learn how to do that yourself. See, you got to learn how to go out there and teach Bible studies. You've got to learn how to know how to defend yourself with the doctrine that you're being taught. Because I can't be with you every second. You got to know how to make right choices and right decisions, right? Amen. Doctrine teaches you how to be righteous and how to resist wrongdoing. Doctrine teaches you how to get involved and when to take the initiative and how to walk in your integrity. Doctrine teaches us how to not be novice and to never surrender and to never quit and to never give up. 
Amen. It teaches you how to overcome and what to do. Doctrine teaches us how to endure and to edify others. It teaches you these things. And so this is what John is saying. If, if someone come and they don't bring this doctrine, then you're supposed to know it's not the right thing. If it's trying to pull you away or seduce you from Jesus Christ and his ways and his word, automatically your antenna should go up. Wait a minute. I didn't have this. You know, I was not taught this. You know, and so therefore you will see this throughout scriptures with the the, the apostles and their teachings. Amen. So let's move on today a little bit here. Amen. And one of the first things we we realize and we learn that once we come into a relationship with God, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we know that the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so one of the first doctrines you learn is the doctrine of baptism. Why is it important to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? That's why when Nicodemus came to Jesus by night there in John chapter 3, he came to Jesus and says, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these things that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, How can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter the second time and to his mother's woman be born? Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man is born again of water and spirit, he cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. Notice the doctrine of baptism. Baptism by water and baptism with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Those doctrines must be taught. That's why when you come into the truth, if you ever notice, after you understood the gospel of our salvation, they told you or showed you why you needed to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a doctrine that has been taught from the onset and from the beginning. But what we're finding today, people is telling people, no, that was for back then. You don't need to be baptized today. You know, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. But notice what Peter says. Go to First Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3. Drop down to verse 20. Which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The light figure whereunto even baptism that also now saved us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but an answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who's gone into heaven is on the right hand of God, angels and authority and power being subject to him. Now notice Peter says here, he says, eight souls, they waited in the door day. Amen. When Noah was preparing the ark, it took Noah a hundred years to build the ark, according to my calculation. 
He was 500 years when God called him. He was 600 years old when he went into the ark. So he was saved by water. Amen. Notice, Noah had to get in the ark. The same water that came down raised the ark. The ark floated. So he was saved by water. But he had to get in the ark. (laughs) See, the same is true with us. we got to get in the ark. The church is the ark. We've got to get inside and stay inside, amen, of the ark. So the water saves us. Baptism doth now save us. This is why in Acts 2, we quote it all the time, 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promises to you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. If you remember in Luke chapter 24, when Jesus opened their understanding, Understanding again. Remember, we said doctrine opens your understanding. You remember the ones in Luke 24, those two men was on the road to Emmaus. They was walking, they were sad. Jesus draws to them, and he asked them, Why are you so sad? And they said, Are you the only one in Jerusalem? Don't know what has happened? How Jesus, we thought he was going to be the one. And what did Jesus say? Oh, fool, slow to heart. Should not Christ who have suffered and died and rose again the third day according to Scripture? Again, he opens their understanding. Amen. And notice 24, Luke 24 here. Starting uh, with verse 45. And then open he their understanding that they might, what? Understand the scripture. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoove Christ to suffer and to raise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name amongst all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, <clears throat> excuse me, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And this is why when you go to the book of Acts chapter 2, they are in Jerusalem. They are in the upper room in Jerusalem. And as a result, the Bible tells us in Acts 2, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting, and they appeared unto them cloven tongues as the fire. It set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. We see that Peter began to preach. Amen. And as Peter's preaching, what is he preaching? He's preaching exactly what Jesus told him, that repentance and remission of sins must be preached in his name amongst all nations beginning at Jerusalem. If you notice in Acts 2, the Bible tells us that the city was filled with nations out of every, I mean, devout men out of every nation under heaven. So they're there. So as a result now, Peter begins to preach about Jesus Christ when they says, what meaneth this? 
He said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, said God. I will pardon my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see vision. Your old men shall dream dream. And upon my servants and handmaidens uh, will I pardon my spirit. And they shall prophesy. I show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood, fire, and vapors of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness. The moon into blood. Before that great and notable day of the Lord shall come. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. And we know he goes on and he talks about David a little bit. But at the same time, he's talking about David. What he's doing is opening their understanding. He takes them back to David, Psalm 16, where David says, Amen, that in his presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. So he brings them back. And to bring them back, if I can use it like that. He takes them back to what they should have known, which they did, some did know. And then he tells them that it was about Jesus Christ. And that's why the Bible said there in Psalms 37, And when they heard this, they was pricked in their hearts. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises to you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. With many other words shall he testify and exalt, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And they that were glad to receive this word was what? Baptized. Amen. And they continue steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking the bread in prayer. So you see, the understanding, the doctrine opened their understanding. And as a result, the doctrine of baptism now is being taught. Because once people come into the understanding of Jesus Christ, who he is, that he died for their sin, that he was buried, that he rose again, the application to apply this to our lives is we repent. On the words, repentance is no more than an inward change of heart and an outward change of direction. So we turn, amen, from our old ways and wrong ways, and then we what? We're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, because neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given unto men whereby we must be saved. So we get baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the initial evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God give the utterance. So we see the doctrine of baptism is important. But as we see today, a lot of people are not even baptizing people. They're not even teaching about baptism anymore. They're not teaching people that they need the Holy Ghost. Paul says in Romans 8 9, if we have not the Spirit of God, he's none of his. That's why John says if we don't continue in the doctrine, we're not going to have God or Jesus. See? Because if we don't continue teaching baptism... People are never coming into the church. This is the entrance into the church. This is the, how you get in. You don't shake somebody's hand and get in the church. You don't sign a card and get in the church. Amen. Jesus has the pattern already laid. 
And that's why he taught the way he did. He says, I've given you an example. When he came to John the Baptist, amen, when John was baptized in, in Enoch, the year Jordan, why? Because there was much water there. He wasn't doing any sprinkling and spraying, you know, without a water gun. Amen. He, he says, you know, John was baptizing in Enoch because there was much water there. Amen. If, if baptism was not essential to the doctrine of Jesus Christ, Acts 8, Acts 9, Acts 10, Acts 12, Acts 16, Acts 19, Acts 22, amen, Romans 6 would have never been put in the Bible. The doctrine of baptism of water and the Spirit is essential. You don't get in the church any other way. I'm sad to say it, but people think they're in the church and they're not. You must be born again. See, so doctrine is essential. The baptism, doctrine of baptism is very essential to the child of God. Praise God. Amen. So we need to have the Spirit. This is why we teach. The way that we teach. This is the way the apostles taught. Notice Paul in 19. He come upon some certain disciples, and what's the first thing he asked them? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they says, well, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He says, okay, then how are you baptized? They said, well, John's baptized. He said, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, say you shall believe on him which shall come out, the which was Jesus Christ. Now, when they heard this, they was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Paul laid his hands on them, they received the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance, which is a doctrine of laying on of hands. Amen. Sometimes that you lay hands on people to receive the Holy Ghost. We see this through the Scripture. But it's also we have to have wisdom when it comes to the doctrine of the laying on of hands. You just don't lay hands on everybody. Amen. The Bible tells us that. Amen. So, and also, we lay hands on men when they're being ordained into the ministry. That's why Paul told Timothy not to forget the laying on the hands which was given to him by who? The presbyter. That's why when we ordain men's in this organization, if you've ever been to one of our ordination service, when they come up front and we give them the charge and they're ordained, what do we do as presbyters? We lay our hands on them and we pray for them. That's the doctrine of laying on of hands, to give them approval that we are bringing them into the ministry. We see the doctrine of laying on of hands when people are sick throughout scriptures. See, so we have to understand that these doctrines are already laid out by the Lord. Remember, Jesus even touched people. He even touched the dead, raised the dead, touched the lepers. You know, the doctrine of laying on of hands. So we have to have this as well, amen, in our ministry and in our teachings. We have the doctrine of the resurrection from the dead. See, but that is way down the line. But it's all part of the teaching. Because if you never learn that you're going to get out of here, you know what's going to happen? You'll get discouraged. 
That's why John is saying, I want you to know that the fourth reason, he says, I want to strengthen your faith so that you know that you have eternal life. See, so the doctrine of the second coming or the doctrine of the resurrection from the dead, you've got to have that teaching. This is not your home. You're going to a better place. Jesus says in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am there, you shall be also. Amen. We're going to a better place. There's going to be a resurrection. That's why Paul in his teachings, notice in Second, uh, I mean First Thessalonians chapter four, Amen. Real quick, First Thessalonians chapter four, drop down to verse thirteen, I think it is. Let me get there. I'm getting old. I can't find the books like I used to. <laughs> is that in the Old Testament? <laughs> Praise God. Verse thirteen. Chapter 4, First Thessalonica, Thessalonians. But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you saw not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord." Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen. So you see, here's teachings on the resurrection. Amen. But if we've had part in the first resurrection, the second death has no power over us. Amen. The first resurrection is the infilling of the Holy Ghost. You've been raised again to walk in newness of life. That's why Romans 6 tells you, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. He rose from the dead. You've risen from the dead. Now you're supposed to be walking in newness of life. And the next time when the Lord comes, you're out of here. Are you ready? Should the Savior call the dead? But Jesus say, well done, I'll go away. My heart is out for the pure. My God should never stay. Amen. So we have to be ready for this coming of the Lord. This, this, this world is not your home. You're just passing through here. You did this for one reason. To go to heaven. So don't lose focus. <laughs> Amen. You didn't do this just to try to escape, you know, the world. You, yes, and you did, but we're going to heaven. So don't lose focus. That's what Paul says in Colossians 3. If you have been risen with Christ, then seek those things above. Where Christ is seated on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of this earth, for you're dead. Stop acting like you're still alive to the world. You're a new creature. 
in Christ Jesus. So the doctrine of the resurrection from the dead, you should be ready to go. Eternal judgment, the doctrine of eternal judgment. They taught that. Why? To prepare us so that we stay pure, so that we stay right. Because we all have got to appear before the judgment seats of Christ to give an example, a given answer to the things that we've done in this life. You don't want to be afraid. You want to be excited that you're gone. Amen. Be excited to go to heaven to live with Jesus forever. Amen. Jesus says in John twelve forty eight, He that believeth not my words have one to judge him. What's going to judge him? Same word. <laughs> the same word that's been spoken is going to judge you in the last day. You know why? Because Jesus is the word. <laughs> he, he's going to be the one that's doing the judging. He's going to be the one that's sitting on the throne. See? So that's why it's important and essential that we hold to the word of God. Man. And so we're going to talk a little bit more next week uh, about some of the doctrines. Or we may decide to go ahead and spring on out of this and and get into uh, the third epistle here. Amen. Probably do that. But I, I, but I just wanted to talk to you about the doctrine to understand how it applies to your life. It's very important that you know the doctrine. Amen. Of what they they taught because... If you don't know, as I said at the onset, if you don't know the doctrine, it's easy to lead you astray and lead you the wrong way. Amen. And that's not of God. Amen. He brought you out to bring you in. And we see what happened throughout the concept, you know, with the children of Israel. They got further and further and further from the doctrine. See, that's why they had so many problems in the Old Testament. And so what is God doing is he's giving us a wake up call. Amen. Praise God. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word this morning. Bless your people. Bless those under the sound of my voice. God, give them an understanding and heart to love your word more than anything else. In Jesus name. Amen. Let's take a small break and we'll come back at 1030.